uh, jump right in this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Mark. I'm happy to just have the chance to share with you from his word this morning. And uh, there's uh, something, I think probably 10 years ago, there was a message that I heard uh, when I was, I was at a conference, and it just so spoke to me in that moment. And over the years, it's come back up again. And it's interesting that what it meant in that time, it meant something different the next time I heard it. And then just over the last week, I just couldn't get this thought out of my head again. I'm like, Lord, what are you... What are you saying to me? What are you, what are you uh, trying to say here? And so this morning, um, I encourage you just to listen here, because oftentimes what I found is when he's speaking to me, a lot of times there's stuff that he also is sharing uh, with you. And so this morning, I just want to talk about some uh, different kinds of pits in our life, different kinds of pits in our life. There's coal pits, there's racetrack pits, there's peach pits, there's armpits. Everybody's got some. Uh, everybody's got pits in their life. Uh, and today I want to talk about some of the pits that uh, we may find ourselves in or experience throughout our life. And they're, they're different um, definitions or types of them. But I'd want to just uh, encourage you to think about them this morning. And if Holy Spirit speaks something to your heart, just jot it down. Put it on the notes in your phone. Uh, have a heart open that he may bring that back to you. So we're going to jump right in. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down first. There's pits that we slip into in our life pits we slip into. It was a number of years ago, I was visiting a friend of mine. He lives out on one of the concessions, and uh, it was winter. It was snowy, and the snowplow had pushed all the snow off the road. I know it's almost, it's a little early for snow stories, but winter's coming, so we're, we're close. But the snowplow had plowed all the snow off the road, and as I was in this meeting, um, the wind had blown the snow back over, and so there's these big drifts, and I left his place, and I, I saw this big drift. I thought, oh, sweet. I'm going to hit it with my, you know, my car, and I drove as fast as I could, and poof, this big snow uh, plume, and I was like, oh, that was cool. I'm and then I saw another one, and I hit that, and then I was kind of one off more to the side of the road. I'm like, oh, I got that one. And I sped over to that side, and poof, and all of a sudden, poof, my vehicle just went straight first into the ditch, taillight straight up in the air. It was like, oh, that's not what I had hoped to happen. I thought, man, like, I'm in the middle of nowhere now. Like, how, how am I going to get out of here? And so I got my phone, and I called my buddy, and he's like, he's looking, he's like, is that you? He's looking out his window, and he can see me in the ditch. He's like, oh, man, okay, I, I will come and get you. It was never my intention. I was just trying to have a little fun, you know, on a, on a winter's night. I didn't realize that I was going to end up in a ditch. And sometimes that happens in our lives. There's pits that we slip into. We never intended to find ourselves there, but we just slip. And uh, back in the day as they wrote the, these songs, these psalms, I want to take a look at one today. Called, it's in Psalm, Psalm 73. If you have your, have your Bible or it's on your phone, go there with me. Um, Psalm 73, there's a guy named Asaph, and he, would, he wrote a number of songs. We're going to look at two of them this morning. In Psalm 73, he writes this. He's like, truly God is good to Israel. And they would have sung it. I won't because I don't know the tune. But truly, God is good to Israel is what they would sing. And he says, to those whose hearts are pure. And then he writes this, but as for me, and I almost lost my footing my feet were slipping. I know God's good to Israel and God's good. I know I hear that, but, but my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. He says, here's why, because I envied the proud. And when I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness, I was like, man, they seem to live such painless lives. He's looking around at everyone else around him and he's like, man, they seem to have it all together. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. And then he writes five more verses. I just don't have any more whatever to go that far. He just writes, oh, it's like I look at everyone else and it's terrible. In verse 12, he says, look at these wicked people. They enjoy a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent? 
for no reason. He's like, look at everyone else. And so often we're tempted to do that. Look at everybody else. Their lives seem to be working. Why should, why should I keep following God? They're not following him. You know, and their, their life seemed to work. Did, did, my, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Or was following God just a big waste of time? Psalm 73, verse 16. You know, he says, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. I tried to understand why they prosper. But what a difficult task that is. I tried to figure it out. I'm like, why is it happening this way? And he says in verse 17, then, then I went to your sanctuary, O God, or then I went to the house of God. And back then they had to meet God in a certain location. Now it's different. But basically he says, then I got God's perspective. And he says, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. I can see them right now. But he says, then I started to look at where it ends up. Verse 18, he says, truly you put them on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, completely swept away by their tears. It may look like everything's going well for them right now. But if I would just look a little further down the road, I would see that 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 life ends in destruction. And his perception, it changed when all of a sudden he got God's perspective uh, and a different perspective. You know, it, it was simply that his perception of how life was going, the way he was looking at his life, he says, that caused my feet to almost slip. You know, as you go through your life, there's going to be new levels of resistance and struggles and discouragement. The older you get, the more things you're going to face that are difficult. You know, even just getting old physically, all of a sudden more things hurt for longer. It's like, oh, you know, you face, you, you, you know, the, you, you used to visit your friends all the time. Now you visit your doctor all the time. You know, are you, uh, as you're getting older, it's like the more friendships you had, the more people you know who have passed on and there's difficulties. There's this resistance to things that are going on. And, you know, there's never going to be a day where we're on this planet where there's not another struggle coming. You're like, well, that's not very comforting news. You know, we think, man, if I can just get through this struggle, I'll be good after that. And there's never going to be a day where there isn't another struggle. And so it can get emotionally slippery. We're like, man, I'm just going through tough stuff. God, I'm not sure uh, if, you know, why it's not working out for me. And your foot, it says it almost slips. That's why the psalmist encourages them to get a different perspective. I love how we're singing this morning, getting your eyes on Jesus. Because there's this idea of keeping your internal economy up. When everything around you is going down, it's that thing of, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. Inside here, there's something more. And there's, you know, it's, it's thoughts like this. Because it's one thing for you to, say, lose your job out here. It's a whole other thing to lose your ambition in here. It's one thing to face struggles out here. It's another one to give up right in here. It's one thing to get a bad report, maybe a bad doctor's report out here. It's a whole other thing to give up hope in here. And it's just that idea of keep... Um, feeding this internal economy. How do you do that? See, there's three simple ways. It's, it's, it's God's word, God's presence, God's people. With God's word, we're saying, you know, read it for yourself. Keep putting it in here for the moment that you're going to need it. Uh, if you've been joining us, uh, there's people who have been reading with me every single day. Uh, we just finished a study on compassion this morning or today. We're starting another uh, just one week reading through the word on the topic of joy. If you're interested in saying, you know what, yeah, I could probably use some of that in my life, would you just text the word joy to me? Uh, 905-869-6470. Just text the word joy, and tomorrow morning I'll send you a text of some of the readings where you just say, you know what, God, I want to grow deeper with you. God, I want my internal economy to be up, because I don't know what's coming around here, and I don't want to slip. God's word, putting it in there. 
God's presence as we worship, just saying, God, I just put myself in a place where I want to hear your voice. Through prayer, God, here's my petitions, but here I'm listening. God, would you speak to me this morning? And then just being around God's people. It's amazing how that works. Friendship encourages, inspires. It, the word encourage means put courage into. I love how Gerard said it yesterday. He texted me, uh, actually this morning, he texted me and just simply said, man, I was so great to tune in and just watch my Kingsway family. He can't be here. He's going through chemo treatment and he can't be around any, uh, any viruses or any colds or whatever. So he's watching from home and said, but man, just to see my fellow believers and the encouragement that you are to him. Man, that encouragement, putting courage into one another and don't, that's one of the reasons we say don't stay away from hanging out with God's people. It's, uh, it's for your good, and it keeps that internal economy up. A couple songs later, Asaph writes again, and he's not over it yet. He writes in Psalm 77. We read that. If you were reading with us this week, you would have read Psalm 77. And he talks about, he's like, God, man, I've been praying to you, and I just don't feel like you're answering. He's like, God, I'm actually so distressed, I can't even pray anymore. I'm like, I stay up all night. My mind is spinning and I just, God, I'm, I'm lost. Like, are you ever going to answer? And he becomes fixated on the problem. And I think it happens to us as well. And when you become fixated on the problem, your feet begin to slip into a pit and it's all you see. You start saying things like this. It's like, oh, the things I don't like about this church. Oh, those people. Oh, that job. My life, my marriage, raising kids. Oh, 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 whatever it is. That's for someone else. It's not me. I love my job. But those thoughts that get in there and you begin fixated, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you feel yourself slipping into a pit. And that's what Asaph felt. He's like, man, my feet almost slipped. In Psalm 77, he says this, and I love this. There's a, a woman named Megan who's been reading along with us, and she texted me back after we were reading through this, and she said, she sent these verses back to me, and she said, she, she underlined these things that I've put for you in yellow. She says, but then I recall all you've done. Man, it's been tough. I'm going through some stuff. But then I recall all you've done, O oh Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts. I can't stop thinking about your mighty works, O oh God. Your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? When you find yourself in a pit, she simply said this. As I underlined those things, she said, I, I just said, choice made. Choice made. I'm going through some stuff in my choices. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recall I do recall that you have been good to me. Things might not be good right now, but, but you hung on a cross for me. Things might not be great right now, but, but yesterday I knew you were good and you were faithful to me. I recall that. I, and, and I remember and begin to ponder the things where God has been good in, in his life. And, and then he gets to the point where it's like, I mean, I just can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about how good you've been to me, how faithful you have been, how faithful you are. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my feet aren't slipping anymore. Something, I've got something solid to walk on again. Is there any God like you? No, no God like you. Choice made, choice made. Sometimes we got to zoom out and see the bigger picture. Just because you find yourself in a, in a, in a pit at the moment doesn't mean that God has stopped loving us. Doesn't mean that God stopped listening to us. Doesn't mean that God stopped looking for us. Just because a prayer wasn't answered um, the way we think it should be doesn't actually give us a right to blame God for not caring. Oh God, you don't care. Your kids ever do that to you? <laughs> Something doesn't go quite their way. Dad, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> uh, just because you couldn't have frosted flakes instead of shreddies? There's no love. It's, it's in us all the way through. Oh man. You know, God, you don't, you don't love. And 
I love how C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if God answered every silly prayer we prayed, where would we be? Someday we'll be more grateful for the prayers he didn't answer than the ones he did. Because sometimes when we find ourselves in that place, we think, we think that, that he's, you know, something's changed with him and our feet begin to slip. And sometimes slipping starts in the mind and it ends in the mind. Like this psalmist says, he's like, man, when he says, when I considered everybody else around me, when I thought God wasn't listening, my feet are slipping. But he says, but then I started changing the way I'm thinking. And all of a sudden, he's like, I saw their end. I don't want that end. I saw that God's faithful. I can trust him. And it all changed up here. But sometimes it starts in the mind and it actually ends in the physical reality. We talked about that last week, Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, you know, those, those ideas of uh, uh, a sin that just so easily trips us up. It's those things that started in our mind and then they, they end up tripping us, tripping us up in our real life. We find ourselves, you know, I thought that was going to be fun and now I'm addicted. I can't stop. You know, I thought this was going to make me feel better. I'm going to tell them what I really feel and now I'm just alone. I thought that this was going to work out for my good and man, just so much brokenness as a result. And you find yourself in a pit. What do you do when you find yourself in a pit like that? I love that show. I think it was uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire had where you could call a lifeline or you had a lifeline. You can call a friend. You can poll the audience. Uh, as long as you've got a good group of friends around you, poll your friends. But why don't you reach out for a lifeline saying, man, I need a friend right now. I- I'm in a tough spot. I love how s- people have done that so many times where they've called out. And just in that simple, I'm going to call out, I'm going to reach out. They took one step towards freedom, one step again toward stability. I remember people calling me, saying, Mark, can you meet me and sitting on a park bench and sitting there? He's like, man, as hard as this is to say, I can't stop drinking. And it was that one step they just simply took calling a lifeline. Man, watching some of these people, I love when they, and and keep doing it, when they celebrate and say, man, I got an announcement to make. I'm 21 years sober. I'm 21 weeks sober, whatever it may be. How amazing to watch goodness at work. Hebrews 12 says, here's what it is. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And how do we do that? How do we stay on that path? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's like you want a lifeline, just say, Jesus, man, I find myself slipping. Help me get my eyes back on you. Love the songs we sang this morning. This morning, if you're here and you feel yourself slipping in your mind, it's like doubts creeping in. There's things you're like, oh, man, everything's working out for everyone else. Or, God, I haven't heard from you lately, and I feel like your foot's almost slipping. I encourage you this morning, use a lifeline. Call on him. He's good. His faithfulness is good. Remind yourself of his goodness. So there's pits you slip into. Then there's pits you're thrown into. They're not as common. We like to think they're more common, but they're not. You know, most of the time when we end up in a pit, we... We helped ourselves get in there. You know, there's um, things where we talk ourselves into bad ideas. You know, like, ah, I really shouldn't date that person, but mm, they're just so cute. You know, ah, I know I shouldn't have another, but just this once. You know, or, oh, man, that's just, it's really not a good idea, but you need it. You deserve it. Go ahead. And we talk ourselves into these bad ideas and end up in a pit. And I see nudging, and so we're going to move on. Um, 
You get the point. But sometimes, you know what, sometimes, to be truthful, we end up in pits that we actually didn't do very much ourselves to end up there. Someone tossed us in. And uh, you see a count of that in famous story. Genesis chapter 37 tells a story, part of the story of a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was uh, one of 12 brothers. He was his dad's favorite. The problem was his dad told all the brothers that he was the favorite. And so, of course, they hated him. And as a result, he would come around and he would tell them, oh, I've got dreams of being great. Not only, you know, I'm the second youngest, but you guys are all going to bow down to me. That's the dream I have. And uh, man, they didn't love that. I don't think we would either. And so what does he do? It says in Genesis 37, it says, as Joseph was coming to meet his brothers, they said to one another, look here, the dreamer's coming. And they conspired. They said, come, therefore, let's kill him. Let's throw him into some pit. And we'll say some wild beast devoured him. We'll see what becomes of his dreams. And his older brother steps in and says, don't kill him. Take that part out, but let's do the rest. Toss him in a pit. We'll just tell dad he's dead. You know, Joseph was tossed into a pit by the ones who were closest to him. He had very little to do with it. I know he's an annoying brother. And maybe there's times in your life where someone else has tossed you in. It's like, you know, you had a little bit to play, but you didn't intend for that to be the, the end result. He did not choose to end up in a pit. And for you, maybe this morning you're here and someone else uh, is the reason why you landed in a pit. Maybe for you, as somebody crushed your dreams, that you've had dreams that you felt God put in your heart and other people just said, no, who are you? What are you ever going to do? You're a nobody. You're a nothing. And soon those thoughts are in your mind. It was like, you just felt like, you know what? No, I just, I just can't. I just can't. I, and it's lost. It's there, but it's, it's just so hurt. You feel like I just can't take another step. Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe someone else chose to drive under the influence and cause an accident that's cost you dearly. You know, maybe it was a a relative that you didn't choose for them to take advantage of you, but they did. You know, maybe you didn't choose for your spouse to cheat on you. You didn't choose for that doctor to give you a wrong diagnosis and a wrong treatment, and now you find yourself in a pit. Because sometimes... It's the choices of other people that toss you in the pit. And I think in those moments, it's the hardest moments to say, God, how did I end up here? It's a reminder of this story. There's a woman named Louisa Stead. Louisa got married. She was a Jesus follower. She got married and had a young child named Lily. And her and Lily uh, and her husband, Lily was just four years old. They were going out uh, in, in New York, Long um, Island Sound. They went to, to, um, to New York. It's just wind. It's all good. They uh, went to New York City. And, uh, or sorry, in New York, they're sitting on the beach just to have a picnic together. And as they're having a picnic together, all of a sudden they heard out in the water cries for help. As they looked, they saw a young boy drowning in the, in the sea. And so her husband jumped up and he ran out into the water to save, to rescue. As he got out there, he re- got out there and realized he couldn't save this boy. But as he tried, the boy dragged him under. And in front of Louisa and Lily, they watched both of them drown. Tragedy. Tragedy. You know, shortly after that tragic event, you know, where, where someone else cost her dearly, she wrote these words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord." Why? Because she realized in, in the middle of that tragedy, he hadn't left her that he could still trust, she could still trust Jesus. And she writes, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. 
what could have been a tragic event that destroyed the rest of her life. She went on to be a missionary in South Africa for a time, but her song went around the world affecting lives all over to the point that most of you probably knew those words before I said them. Why? Because out of tragedy, out of the pit came a song. Came a song. And so this morning, you know, there's times where you may have been thrown in a pit, but what's the song? comes out of that moment. You know, maybe you ended up in a pit simply because you did the right thing. In Acts chapter 16, as I think about uh, that, you, re- you see the account of Paul and Silas who did the right thing. There was a young girl who was demon-possessed, and she was, she was in, in a lot of trouble. And they prayed for her, and they, they helped her get set free. But not everyone else loved that idea. And so it says that her owners were so upset that they took Paul and Silas, and for doing a good thing, stripped them down, beat them with rods, and had them tossed in prison. Severely beaten, not just beaten, severely beaten. So here they find themselves doing something good, believing they did what God told them to do, and here they are in a pit. And they didn't mean to end up in that pit. Someone else tossed them there, but the story wasn't finished. The story wasn't finished. God wasn't done with them yet, and he's not done with us either. God wasn't done with Louisa at that point. He's not done with you either. I love that story. You know, Joseph, (laughs) Joseph sitting in a pit, but he kept his trust in God. He's just sitting in there, man, maybe I'm in a pit right now, but God, I trust you. I trust that you're good. And he was in a pit, but on his way to a palace. I love that. Because you're on your way to a palace too, you know. You know that? For some of you, are like, uh, this sounds like a health and wealth type of gospel. It's all going to work out in the end. The thing is, it is all going to work out in the end. It just might not happen here. I love how Paul writes it. Romans 8, he says, yet what we suffer now That's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. Man, we've got a place someday where we're headed. We are on our way there. And maybe in this place, you know, there's going to be some suffering. But he's like, don't don't even. That suffering is not going to mean nothing once you get there. It's going to be so, so incredibly amazing. You know who wrote that? Paul, the man who was sitting battered in that prison. He was battered. He was bruised, but he wasn't broken. It says in Acts 16, verse 25, at midnight. The middle of the night, bleeding, battered. Paul and Silas were complaining and grumbling, saying, God, why you put me here? No. They're sitting there praying, singing, because out of that pit comes a song. Hymns to God, the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Not only were they set free, but the jailer who was supposed to keep them, he ended up putting his trust and faith in Jesus Christ. His eternity changed as a result of a song sung from a pit. Man, it's incredible what can happen to those around us if we would simply keep our trust in Jesus. Can I just say that life's hard no matter what? Life can be hard no matter whether you're a Jesus follower or not. There's going to be moments that are hard. So if it's going to be hard at times with Jesus or without Jesus, why not do it with him? Because out of that can come some incredible, incredible things. What will your song be when you find yourself in the pit? What will your song be? Man, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Yeah, I may have been here either way, but at least I'm not here alone. Man, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Sometimes there's pits you slip into. Sometimes there's pits you're thrown into. And sometimes there's pits you just gotta, that you choose to jump into. And this is a totally different kind of pit. And I want to challenge you with this thought this morning. Because maybe you're like, oh, that was a lot of heavy, heavy stuff. Sometimes it's a different kind of pit. 
You know, the writer, the writer of the next passage, he's talking about David's mightiest men. And I love the stories of those guys. Man, the guys who went out and did incredible things, incredible things uh, in, in, uh, in, their, in their quest for, uh, for, their, for their country and for, for their king. But as they write about this, this, this next story, I love this story so much when I heard Kevin Gerald share it uh, probably 10 years ago that I named one of my kids after it. My young son, Finn, his middle name is Benaiah, and here's why. 2 Samuel 23, verse 20, it says, Here's one of David's mighty men. His name was Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kibzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. And another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit. Man. Oh, and he killed it. I love that thought. You know, because uh, you think about that, chasing lions doesn't sound like very rational behavior to me. You? If you saw the news a couple of weeks ago, there was a woman who got into the lion's pen at, at a zoo, and people are videotaping, like, woman, you're crazy, you're going to die. And people probably thought the same about Benaiah, man, you're crazy, what, the, what are you thinking? But can I tell you this, sometimes in our journey with the Lord, there's times where he's drawing you to bigger things. And sometimes it's that idea of, man, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to chase some, some lions. I'm, I'm going to be in a spot where I am required to trust him more. Where there's no way that I can accomplish this on my own strength. There's no way that I'm going to be able to accomplish this on my own. Dreams that he puts in your heart. Things he's challenging you to do that you're like, man, God, if I'm supposed to do this, the only way I can do this is with you. And he's like, exactly, exactly. Because there's seasons in our life where we can just become content. You know, it's like, ah, I worked hard all my life. I get to retire. <laughs> you know, I'm content with how life is going. It's pretty good. And what happens? You become comfortable. And you become complacent. And in the kingdom, there was no room for that. Because in our lives, it can happen to us as a church. Oh, look at the church. Sundays are so full, they have to open the back. And we have enough money to pay the pastor and whatever else. The lights are still on. You know, it's, this is good. You know, we're good. We even have a Saturday night service with a bunch of people. Oh, that's good. You know, we're, we're, I don't need to invite it. There's no room for my friends. I'm not inviting anybody else. I think we're, I think we're good. I think we're good. Do you know what? His command for us was never to stop. He said, as long as you are here on the planet, I got purpose for you. Go make disciples. Keep reaching unreached, keep loving the unloved, keep making disciples to see his kingdom continue to advance. You know, sometimes if you want to progress in any area or advance or grow, you're going to have to chase some lions in your life. You're going to have to chase some lions. And it can be scary to go and choose to jump into that pit. And it, can, it doesn't guarantee that every time you step out that that's going to end up with a new trophy skin on your wall, that it's all going to work out, but you've got to keep chasing. You know, that, that idea of build a healthy, life-giving church, uh, whatever. In 2006, I think it was, we, we were here in this place and thought, you know what? Man, what if we at Sweets Corners decided we would plant another church at Kingsway and plant out in the, out in the, just 15 minutes away? Ah, it sounds kind of crazy. That's not how most people do that, but let's, let's try. You know, that, that sounds like a lion to me. I don't know if I can take it, but I, man, I want to try. And so here we start, and you know the neighbor said? First they said, why did you cut down the tree? And then they said, that building, that building eats churches. You're the fourth church to try and have a church in that building. We give you one year. I was like, I love it. Let's go. 
You know, let's, let's chase that lion and see what happens. Let's see what God might do in this place. And then a number of years later, you know, we felt like, wow, we, we got to do something to create some room for more people. And I said, why, why don't we try Saturday nights? And we're like, okay, we tried it. And a year after Saturday nights was, was going, I said, you know what, that's it. I gave it a year. It, it, I don't think it's going to happen anymore. And we kind of tossed it to the side. And there were some Saturday night people said, what? You can't take away my church. I was like, okay then. Well, what are we going to do? And like, we're going to chase a lion. Sounds like a lion to me. Can you make a Saturday night church work in the middle of nowhere? Let's go for it. Let's see what God might do. And last night, there's people worshiping here and people being reached here simply because some people said, let's, let's chase a lion. I don't know if we can do it, but let's, let's try it. Let's try it. What lions are walking around your front yard? You know, as I heard this 10 years ago and I heard this five years ago and I hear it now, it means something different every time. As I think about it now, I think, man, what, 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 what if we thought about some of these things? We don't have enough room here. Maybe we need to create some space. That's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, but God, if you're putting it in our hearts, we trust you got a lot of money. Let's chase a lion. Why? Because there's so many friends of ours who don't have a seat here, who don't have an opportunity maybe to know Christ for themselves. Could we chase a lion? Could we build a kid's ministry that has such an amazing thing that kids want to come here throughout the week to play and on the weekend it becomes our kid's ministry? Could we dream a little bit of what might be possible? Man, that sounds like it might be a little tough, but... Can we, chase, can we chase a lion? What about putting services online so that we can reach people that maybe aren't going to come to this building? Then my hair has to be good. My wife made me change it earlier. I can't say stuff that I usually say because <laughs> it's live, but oh, it's not my thing. But maybe, maybe we can reach some people that we haven't reached for the kingdom simply because we're willing to just go chase a lion. Those are things stirring around in my heart and my mind. But what about you? Maybe you feel in, the, in your heart, man, I, I want to start a group. I want to start a Bible study or a men's group, but I don't feel qualified. I don't know. Would you chase that lion? Sounds like a lion to me. Maybe you're here like, man, I'd love to help at youth. I'd love to mentor young people so they don't do the things that I did. But I just don't know that I can. Man, if that's the dream burn in your heart, maybe that's a lion you've got to chase. Maybe, maybe for you, it's like, man, it's totally different. I just feel like there's this business venture that I, that I feel like I need to start so that I can give more to the kingdom to see, see God's kingdom grow. But uh, I just, I don't know, but it's there. Man, would you chase a lion? Maybe for you, it's like, man, I want to start a Bible study at my high school. I know, man, it's like, sounds like social suicide to get the Christians together at lunch. But man, I just want to get together and pray for my school. I don't know why it's in there. Or for your university, I don't know why it's in there, but man, maybe, maybe that sounds like a lion I want to chase. I don't, I don't know if I can take that one, but I want to, I want to try. And I wonder what Benaiah said that day as he was sitting there seeing that lion walking along in front of his front yard. He's like, I don't know if I can take that one, but God, man, I want to try. He chases that snowy lion down into a snowy pit. Can you just picture it? There he is sitting, you know, us sitting at the edge of the pit. Like, what did Benaiah, what did he just do? A crazy guy, he just jumped in that, in that pit. Now you hear screams and you hear the roars and he's got the lion maybe by the tail, swinging around, grabbing a big rock and blood spurting up. You're like, was that bananas or lion blood? I don't know what that is. I mean, the Bible's so cool. I don't know. He's like down in there and all of a sudden all the dust settles and the sounds are like, hey, it's just silent. Everybody just sits at the thing and just waits. And all of a sudden out of that, out of that pit comes his bloody hand. Not a bloody paw, a bloody hand because he chased a lion and he won. And it's about how you finish, not how you start. 
that idea of saying, God, I'm going to trust you for the things you're leading me, the dreams you put in my heart. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to, I'm going to choose to jump into a few pits in my life sometimes simply that I might be able to say, oh, for grace to trust you more. God, I trust you. I was talking to my brother-in-law and we were, we were talking about saying, man, there's some of those seasons in our life where we were like, wow, we trusted God in those moments. He's like, Mark, he says, I look back at my life and I was like, wow, there's those times where I trusted God and saw him come through. But all those stories are at least 10 years old. I want some new ones. And man, I'm in the same spot. I feel that desire just to say, God, let's trust you. Let's not put any limits on you because you're limitless. And if the dream feels bigger than us, okay. Because it requires us to trust you. If you can accomplish your own dreams, they're way too small. Way too small. That's for somebody here this morning. Sometimes there's pits you slip into. Sometimes there's pits you're thrown into. Get in your eyes on Jesus. And then sometimes there's pits you just got to choose to jump into so you can trust him wherever you find yourself. We're going to ask our ushers to bring uh, the emblems of communion. We're going to share communion together as we close this morning. As we do that, I want to share just one thought with you. There's communion verses in the Bible that are pretty clear. Clearly about, you know, what we're about to do here with communion. Um, and then there's some verses that aren't communion verses at all. And I'm going to share one of those. Psalm 40. David no stranger to pits, no stranger to tough times, no stranger to difficult moments. He wrote this, Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. Verse 2, he says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair. He lifted me out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He, he steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he's done in my life, and they'll be amazed. They'll put their trust in the Lord too. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I'd never come to the end of them. I think about those. Man, what a powerful thought, even from thousands of years ago. That idea of, man, I'll trust you, Lord, in the pit, and look what will happen. There's a new song to sing. There's people who are going to put their trust in God because of what they saw happen in me. So this morning, maybe you find yourself in a pit. Maybe you find yourself in a pit in life. And as a Jesus follower, the simple reminder today is, ah, I just get my eyes back on Jesus. Man, for you, you've been slipping in your mind, and it's like, you know what, yeah, I just, ah, God, thank you for this moment where I can just get my eyes back on you, where I can look to the sun, where I can simply say, Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. I'm going to take another step today with you. But then there's some of you here this morning, you're not Jesus followers. You just showed up. They said there's free food and whatever else. And hopefully you're not going to fall asleep and just come with us and we'll buy you breakfast after or whatever. However they got you here. I don't know. Or maybe you've come here for a number of weeks. and You're like, I don't know what it is about this place. I just feel better when I'm there. But I don't really know if I believe all that stuff. And maybe some of you find yourself in a pit this morning. You know, you've feel like life sometimes feels like a pit. You've tried everything you know to get out of it, and it just doesn't work. 
You think, man, if I just did this, I'll find some happiness in life. I can make my life better. And you find out that it just goes the opposite way. You're like, man, I was striving for purpose and meaning in my life. And here I sit and I feel like there is no purpose. And I don't think there is any meaning. And I just don't know. You've looked to yourself all your life and found out that in the end, where you're sitting now, it's like, man, I'm just not enough. You thought, you thought you were running your life, and in the end, you feel like life's running you, and it's ruining you. And there's just a sense of brokenness and emptiness on the inside. Can I tell you, I've been there. Many people across this room have been there. And you know what didn't fix it? Religion didn't fix it. Addiction didn't fix it. Relationships didn't fix it. Nothing fixed that emptiness for us. But someone did. Someone did. You know, there's this thing called sin. That's the problem. That's what broke everything. That's what's kept us, that kept us separated from God. That's what caused that feeling of emptiness. Like something's not quite right on the inside. And we think about God, it's like, oh, how could he love me or care about me? This just guilt weighs on you because all you can think about is I'm not good enough. You know, can I tell you this morning, if you find yourself in that place, we have good news for you. Just like David said, man, uh, he heard my cry. And he came and he lifted me out of that pit of despair. He took my feet out of the mud and the mire and he set them on a, on a solid spot. There's a new song in my heart because I've been set free. People look at my life and say, wow, he's not the same person he was long ago. What happened to you? Can I tell you what happened? For God so loved the world. For God so loved Mark. For God so loved you. He sent his son to do what only he could do, to pay for my sin. I couldn't pay for it, only he could. And I love that thought. Here comes God in a body, the perfect sinless man who takes my sin instead of his own. And that sin kills him. He dies in my place and he's dead, dead. They bury him. He's totally dead. And he pays for my sin. And you know how I know it's paid for? Because once it was paid for, sin couldn't hold him anymore. And he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Sin's been paid for. Mine, yours, the sin of the world. And Jesus, when he sat with his followers, he said to them this. That's why we do what we're doing right now. He handed them some bread and he said, Fellas, I want you to take this bread and I want you to remember what I've done for you. I don't want you to look at you and inspect your life and see how sinful you are and all that stuff. I... Man, you couldn't do it on your own. Look what I did for you. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat it. Remember me. Remember what I've done for you. This morning, it's why we're doing this. For Jesus' followers here today, remember what he's done for you. And for those of you who are not, but you want to put your trust in Christ, in the same way you simply just received this bread and somebody handed the, the, the cup to you and you took it, God's offering you life and salvation and forgiveness. Would you just in the same way say, okay, Jesus, I receive it. I accept it. I take it into myself and believe that it'll change me from the inside out. We take this simple bread this morning. It's our reminder. So Jesus, thank you for what you did for us. We remember your sacrifice this morning as we take this. Because you took a cup of something after the juice or whatever, wine, whatever. He says he took this and he said, man, my blood paid for everything. I love that thought. Not only is all the sins of my past forgiven, the sins of today are forgiven, the sins of tomorrow are forgiven. That's freedom. 
living in that fact that I'm always forgiven, but bigger than that. I was a sinner, but he's changed me from the inside out. He says, man, you're a saint. You are a forgiven child of God. So are you. So are you if you put your trust in him. So today we say that, Heavenly Father, thank you that you paid for every sin that we had. Thank you for taking us, rescuing us from that pit of sin, the pit of despair, setting us on the steady path. Thank you that when we're walking that path, you keep us there as we keep our eyes on you. And so today, we remember you and honor you in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you that it's you and not us. Lord, for those of us who just need that reminder today, we felt our feet slipping that you, as we put our eyes on you, back on that solid path. Lord, for those here this morning who are simply just receiving you into their life at this time, Heavenly Father, thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, for the joy that springs up as a result. Lord, as we walk this life with you, I know that you fill us with yourself. As we go from this place, we're taking you everywhere. Lord, may our world see you. May they be changed by you. May they experience your goodness and your salvation. It's in your awesome name I pray. Amen.